Hey guys, I want to redeem myself uh, and apologize for my uh, poor first podcast lecture with anatomy. It really, it's really difficult to to lecture anatomy without being able to see it. Perhaps videos would be better than a podcast. But I, I want to redeem myself and I want to cover uh, one of the basic physiology um, lectures that we had, and this is from May eighteenth. It's the lecture on uh, basic human cell biology. It was Gromley. Uh, when we first met him. So the lecture objectives are to identify the major components of a mammalian cell and describe the functions of each of these components, describe the steps of the cell cycle and how this process is regulated, give examples of chemotherapeutic drugs that target the cell cycle, and briefly explain the mechanism of each of these chemotherapeutic drugs. So he basically organized his lecture here into cell structure or an organelle's central dogma of molecular biology and the cell cycle and its regulation. So obviously we have the hierarchy of multicellular organisms. We go cell tissues, organs, organ systems. End of discussion there. So the components that he wants us to know are the plasma membrane, the nucleus, the mitochondria, the lysosomes, peroxisomes, endoplasmic, reti endoplasmic reticulum, both smooth and rough, the Golgi apparatus, and the cytoskeleton, all the pieces that make up that. I will be uh, honest with you, I'm pretty weak with the cytoskeleton, but I feel pretty uh, pretty strong with the other um, organelles. So the plasma membrane. Uh, plasma membrane obviously surrounds the cell and separates the contents of the cell from its outside environment. Uh, how does this happen? It has a phospholipid bilayer. Uh, this is due to uh, two fatty acids coming together. Uh, fatty acids themselves are amphipathic and that means that they have a um, a hydrophilic part and a hydrophobic part so the hydrophobic part wants to stay away from the cell uh, environment within and outside because it's uh, highly aqueous so that means that these fatty acid tails which have a lot of hydrocarbons which are hydrophilic are going to come together towards the center while the um, the heads are phospholipids and these are very um, hydrophilic so they want to be on the outside so that's what the uh, phospholipid bilayer is and this forms um, this forms the plasma membrane and it is selectively permeable to ions and organ uh, organic molecules so certain things like oxygen can go through and diffuse through um, uh, slowly compared to uh, having other mechanisms, but it, it happens. And then there's special proteins, enzymes, and surface uh, receptors that are associated with the plasma membrane. So there are um, proteins such as uh, channel, uh, ion channels, transporters, and enzymes. And then there are also uh, ligands that stand out on the cell and can be act as, can act as markers. Uh, they're also called integral membrane proteins, which are proteins that are permanently associated with the plasma membrane. Moving on to the nucleus. The nucleus is the... Uh, he says it's the most prominent organelle. Uh, I know it is the brain of the cell. It, it has the it, it's composed of DNA surrounded by a nuclear envelope, and within it there's the nucleolus. The nucleolus is a dense structure inside the nucleus composed of ribosomal um, RNA or rRNA and proteins. Uh, my memory from genetics serves me right. The nucleolus is actually the site of production of rRNA, which then comes out in forms ribosomes, but don't quote me on that. The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, as we'll find out. It is a membrane-bound organelle, uh, and it's separated by two membranes. Now, the, the from what I understand from my history, and this is not going to be on the exam, but it's just an interesting tidbit of information, the mitochondria actually um, 
because it has its own uh, DNA, which we'll get into later, it was actually a prokaryotic organelle or a prokaryotic organism that was uh, swallowed by eukaryotic um, organelle or eukary eukaryotic organism. Wow, I'm really butchering this. Um, it was a prokaryotic organism swallowed by a eukaryotic organism taken in by uh, endocytosis, and they it formed a symbiotic relationship in which it was became part of the cell, and then the DNA was passed on for it. So, with that set aside, the um, there's an inner membrane which uh, folds in on itself, and it uh, creates a five times greater the um, space than the outer membrane. And there's a lot of folds in it, which are called cristae. And then finally, there's the outer membrane, which just kind of protects it and holds everything together. And then the matrix is the space enclosed inside the inner membrane. And the number of mitochondria depends on the cell. So liver cells contain thousands of mitochondria. Uh, muscles have a lot too. Why would you need a lot of mitochondria in the muscles? Because you need a lot of uh, ATP to perform actions and contractions and extensions and uh, everything like that. They also play an important role in programmed cell death, which we will touch on later, which we touched on today. Yes, today, the, on the 26th. So, um, anyway, the functions of the mitochondria, there's uh, basically three big, or four big ones. Uh, they're the powerhouse of the cell, so they're kicking out a lot of ATP. Uh, they do a lot of redox, redox reaction, oxida uh, reduction, uh, oxidation reactions. And components of the uh, TCA cycle are found in the matrix. They're also involved in beta oxidation of fatty acid, heme synthesis, and steroid synthesis. Uh, and the unique characteristics of the mitochondria is the fact that they replicate by fission, which is uh, common in bacteria. Go figure, those prokaryotic organisms. It just gives more support to that theory. Uh, they contain their own mDNA, and for some reason, we only inherit the uh, mitochondrial or mDNA from our mothers, which is an example of non-Mendelian inheritance, which we will get into in another lecture on genetics. Final thing that makes this highly susceptible, er, adds another um, bit of support to the whole prokaryotic theory is the fact that um, mDNA is circular in shape. It's a plasmid, and uh, all pro prokaryotic DNA usually is, uh, is circularized in a plasmid form. So when things don't work and the mitochondria don't work, this is more of a clinical tidbit, and there'll be various ones for each organelle. Uh, we have mitochondrial myopathy, or myopathies, I'm sorry, uh, which basically cause damage to skeletal muscle fibers because they need that mu they need that energy to um, to function and without it the muscles die. Uh, the symptoms vary greatly between inflicted individuals because they could you know it could just be drooping of muscles or you know difficulties in swallowing eventually and limb weakness and so it's difficult to diagnose because I mean who really thinks that wow you have mitochondria you have something wrong with your mitochondria so um, and there's also a limiter threshold of defective uh, mitochondria for a disease to be shown so you could have part of it or be expressing some of it but not um, formally have the disease so have the genetics, the genotype, and not the phenotype, if that makes sense. Lysosomes. Lysosomes are small um, membrane-brown organelles that have uh, hydrolases. Um, they have a very low pH. They're considered the stomach of the cell, and they're uh, mainly used to break down uh, worn-out organelles or particles taken up by endocytosis or phagocytosis. I call it the garbage dump of the cell. Basically, anything you don't want that's old or you don't need or is foreign or blah, 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 you just take it there and it'll degrade it. 
I guess you don't take foreign like people to the dump, but you know, you get what I mean. And so basically it is very important and innate and adaptive immune system in uh, immunity where uh, uh, foreign craft is just broken down inside the, by the uh, acidic environment. Now there are several diseases that are important uh, relative to the lysosome uh, function and uh, they're usually autosomal recessive diseases. Again, we'll get into that in the genetic section of uh, lectures later. Uh, and they usually result in a defect in lysosomal enzymes. And so what would happen if the garbage dump all of a sudden shut down? In fact, this almost happened in my county once. Um, you'd find garbage everywhere scattered on the side of the road. So this is essentially what happens in the body when there's lysosomal dysfunction. You have all this cellular debris of, um, of uh, worn out or aged uh, organelles of foreign in, foreign invaders inside the cells and you just build up and you have basically this huge cesspool inside the body because there's no place to put it all to destroy it. And uh, usually you can diagnose it with an uh, enzymatic assay. Usually there's uh, a faulty enzyme that uh, that forms and the diseases he kind of uh, pointed out that were important were Hurler disease, which has a faulty alpha L idironate. Okay, I, I can do this. I can do this. Idironidase. There we go. Uh, Tysex, which is uh, a defective hexo or hexosaminidase A. And Gauchers, which is uh, a uh, defective beta-D-glycosidase. I will get better at these, and then he'll wait, later we'll talk about uh, eye cell disease when we talk about, uh, I believe, the Golgi apparatus. So peroxisomes are another one. They are a small vesicle, and they are similar to lysosomes, but they have this really important function where they break down hydrogen peroxide, or H2O2. So H2O2 comes from beta-oxidation, which is done by what? That's right, mitochondria, good job, break down of long fatty acids, but the uh, peroxisomes contain catalase, which breaks down, like I said, the uh, hydrogen peroxide and oxygen and water, which is really important. Um, and it is mainly in liver and kidney cells, and they degrade a bunch of other stuff too, like ethanol, and they detox a bunch of uh, things like drugs, prescription drugs and other poisons and crap we put in our body. So what happens when peroxisomes don't work? They have something called peroxyl, perox, peroxomal, there we go, biogenesis, biogenesis disorders, which are autosomal recessive diseases caused by mutations in peroxins. Peroxins are proteins that are involved in the formation of peroxisomes. So basically, peroxins are like the construction workers that are building peroxisomes. And when we have a problem making these, then we have something called uh, Zell, Zellweger syndrome, maybe Zellweger syndrome, depending if it's German, uh, which leads to um, impaired brain development, liver, and kidney lesions, um, and is usually fatal within the first years of life. Uh, I mean, that's, I mean, when you think about it, um, when you have all these inf uh, reactions going on and you're generating this hydrogen peroxide as a byproduct, it, it's very toxic and very uh, caustic to the cell. You can't get rid of it. So having it having it so you don't have peroxisomes is basically going to kill you. Uh, next up is the endoplasmic reticulum. This is a system of interconnected sacs of, and tubules of, uh, tubes of membranes. So there's a smooth ER where you make new uh, membrane for the cell, and then there's a rough ER which has 
uh, a bunch of ribosomes attached to it, and it's a site where secretory, pro er, secretory proteins are made. Uh, the rough ER is continuous with the nuclear membrane, and it serves as a storage of calcium. So if you go back to muscle uh, anatomy and physiology, um, calcium is a very uh, important player to contraction and relaxation of muscle cells, and um, I'm sure that they can get into some clinical correlates with that. But the sarcoplasmic reticulum is smooth ER, which is found in muscle cells and is important in storing calcium, and they have a huge release of calcium when uh, when needed. I'm not going to ruin um, muscle contraction for whenever that lecture is. God, I hate that. Um, so the Golgi apparatus, we're moving on to another one, another organelle. The Golgi apparatus is located near the uh, rough endoplasmic reticulum in the nucleus. It kind of goes in order. So nucleus is the center, and then it moves out to the rough endoplasmic reticulum, followed by the um, Golgi apparatus. And so the Golgi apparatus is mainly used to uh, spit stuff out. So the um, endoplasmic reticulum will make a protein. It'll send it over to the Golgi uh, apparatus. And it basically is like the post office. And we'll say, okay, we're going to send this here, this here, this here, and uh, designate final locations of cells. Um, it has a polarity. So the cis side is towards the ER, and it receives transport vesicles. And the trans side is oriented towards the plasma membrane, which releases these secretory vesicles. Now, within the Golgi apparatus, three things can happen. Modifications, um, packaging, and sorting. So, um, essentially, for modifications, you can modify new proteins by uh, either, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, glycosylating them, acetylating them, methylating them. Uh, adding any types of groups on that are necessary, and this can also destin uh, change the destination for various organelles or the cell membrane or outside packaging. So you can package enzymes for lysozyme or lysosomes and proteins for secretion, and then sorting. You can sort all materials for lysosome secretion and incorporation into the plasma membrane. That you're kind of getting where the three the three uh, the three areas of or the three. Uh, common or the three endpoints of uh, the uh, Golgi apparatus are you can either end up in a lysosome which we'll talk about in a minute with a defect and uh, you can either secrete it to the cell secrete it uh, out of the cell via exocytosis or you can incorporate it into the plasma membrane and make it a like a membrane bound membrane bound protein uh, when you have problems with this uh, apparatus we have eye cell disease which is a rare inherited condition clinically characterized by defective growth and mental retardation. Uh, essentially, the um, uh, enzymes, the lysosomal enzymes that are used to uh, act as the uh, the, the uh, enzymes that destroy everything that comes to the garbage dump, are not phosphorylated. And when they're not phosphorylated, they're not uh, directed towards the lysosome. So it's sort of like having the wrong address or yeah, having a wrong address on a postcard and expecting it goes to New York and you put down Ohio and it goes to Ohio instead. So instead of these um, lysozymal enzymes going to the uh, lysozyme, they actually get secreted into the um, into out of the out of the cell via exocytosis. So the lysosomes lack their enzymes, and again we have the problem of 
all these proteins that all these proteins and uh, cellular crap that's just not broken down, and then you have a bunch of lysosomal enzymes present in the uh, the blood of the patients with eye cell disease, which means you can probably test for the uh, this with a blood or uh, with a blood test. Uh, I'm guessing there'd probably be a decrease in pH due to the acidic nature, and then obviously you'd have lysosomal enzymes, which you could do, you know, Western blot for. The cytoskeleton. A little bit shaky on this, guys. Not gonna lie, but I'm gonna work through it, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. So there's uh, the cytoskeleton basically gives the cell its shape, holds it in place, and coordinates molecular traffic inside the cell. There's three main components. There's the microtubules, the actin microfilaments, and the intermediate filaments. So the microtubules, uh, remember that it has the word tube in it. So it has actually made up of 13 different uh, protofilaments that follow around a hollow core so we have a uh, base we have literally a tube um, there's a plus n which is the beta tubula and tubulin yes end and the minus n which is the alpha tubula end tubul I found like I'm from like New York or something tubulin so anyways they are highly dynamic structures that grow and shrink especially during mitosis and they're present in all nucleated cells and platelets of the blood so this whole plus n minus uh, and deal is uh, it's it's rather important because it actually um, it's actually used in cell division. So the centrosome uh, is also called the mi microtubule organizing center or the MTOC, and it's comprised comprised of a pair of ortho orthogonally positioned centrioles surrounded by the pericentriole material. Uh, okay, I'm going to put this into simple terms. Basically, what happens is the uh, microtubules attach to the um, to the uh, to the um, oh my goodness I'm just losing my thoughts here the microtubules attach to the centrosome which then attach to um, the nucleus and assists in setting things up for metaphase there we go I'm, I'm just not thinking right now it's like 1230 in the morning so um, microtubule molecular motors are so the cytoskeleton acts as a transportation system inside the cell there's molecular motors that transport organelles and membrane round vesicles to their target locations within the cell the movement is unidirectional which is important and again this is where the whole plus and minus um, n thing comes in handy because the uh, there's two types of uh, microtubule microtubule associated molecular motors there's kinesins which move towards the plus end, and dynein, which moves towards the negative end. The only reason I remember this is di means bad, it's usually negative thoughts, so it moves towards the minus end of the microtubule. I'm not sure if that helps or not. Uh, and um, the head moves and the tails are associated with the cargo. So basically there's two heads. If you think of myosin, that's what they kind of resemble in the picture. And then they have uh, the tail structure, which instead of being attached to... Um, more myosin is going to be attached to whatever it's transporting. So speaking of myosin, we have actin filaments now. Actin is in present in all cells. Excuse me. Um, they're thin, flexible, linear structures composed of actin subunits. Uh, actin subunits uh, are known as G-actin, and actin filaments are known as F-actin. So filaments F, I don't know what G stands for. I can never figure it out. Oh, uh, G stands for globular. I'm sorry. Uh Key component in cellular movement, and again, this is associated with the motor, uh, the molecular motor myosin, which allows for muscle co 
muscle contraction. Whew. Okay, so muscle contraction, I'm not going to get into. Basically, what happens is myosin I walks along, uh, acting and contracts the muscle. Uh, that's like muscle anatomy or physiology, and I'm not going to get into into that now. Intermediate filaments, on the other hand, are rope-like structures with several strands twisted together to provide tensile strength. They're the most durable of the cytoskeleton filaments, and they endure enables the cell to withstand mechanical stresses. So basically, if we push down or pull apart or, in other ways, apply stresses to um, cells, instead of having them rupture because of the tension, uh, these intermediate filaments hold things together and withstand the various mechanical stresses of life which is really nice. So it's really important for skin, axons, and neurons, and muscle cells because this is where all the stretching and contraction and pulling and tugging and potential cell rupture occurs. So basic genetic, basically we're going to touch on the genetic code real quick. Central dogma, uh, DNA becomes RNA, becomes proteins. Proteins cannot become RNA. RNA can become DNA through um, reverse transcription, which has to do with viruses, and we're not getting into that right now. Ta-da, central dark one's done. Cell cycle. Cell cycle, there are uh, two main phases where we can divide it into. We have the M phase or mitotic phase, and then we have interphase. Interphase is made up of G1, S, and G2. So G1 is the first phase, uh, the first growth phase. S phase is where the DNA is duplicated, and G2 is where the final growth phase occurs. So um, during interphase, 90% of the cell's uh, growth occurs, and it's basically you're duplicating all the cell's contents to get ready for a mitotic phase where the uh, daughter cells pr are produced. So in G1, uh, the timing depends on the cells, and it's a, where the uh, cell basically becomes committed to continued division or exits to G0. So G0 is basically a resting stage where the cell does its thing, but there's no replication of uh, genetic material or cellular, cellular contents. And so uh, you can stay in G0 for, forever, which usually what happens with uh, neurons and nerve cells, or you can re-enter by uh, regulatory signals. But basically, G1's like uh, signing the contract that says, okay, we're going to move on to make this deal. So S phase, S phase is where all the uh, genomic material in centrosomes are produced. Um, DNA is re replicated in a semi-conservative fashion. So what I mean by semi-conservative fashion is is uh, DNA has two strands, and when you when it replicates, the one strand of the DNA will have one parent strand, and then it'll have a new strand, and then the other strand will also have the other piece of parental strand, and then it'll have a new, uh, new newly synthesized strand as well, um, making it semi-conservative, half and half. Uh, before S phase, each chromosome is composed of one chromatid, but following S phase, when we're getting into G2, each chromosome or chromosome is made of two chromatids. Uh, that's like the butterfly shape, as I like to think of it. So the G2 phase is the interval between S phase and mitosis, and the timing varies, but it's basically an important checkpoint because once you reach G2, the cell is ready to divide and uh, enters M phase. This is also where the organelles are duplicated, is uh, are replicated. Oh my goodness, okay, we're almost done. Mitosis is the shortest but most important of the cell cycles. It has five different phases, prophase, prometaphase, metaphase, anaphase, and telophase. Let's get into those real quick. Prophase uh, basically is where the chromatin condenses and causes the chromosome to go uh, be become visible. Um, the, centros the centrosomes separate, moving to the opposite ends of the nucleus, so things are getting ready to um, to for prometaphase. And um, prometaphase is where the nuclear envelope breaks down, the chromosomes become more even more condensed, a kinetic core uh, forms at the centrosome, 
uh, the point where the sister chromatids attach. So the kinetochores basically the is where is the body of the butterfly when you think of it like that, and that's where the uh, sense the spindles of the centromere attach. So the microtubules attach to the kinetochores. So as we talked before, those microtubules, which are important in the MTOC, attach to the kinetochore, and then um, in metaphase. The chromosomes align on the axis called the meta metaphase plate. Uh, it's another regulatory uh, checkpoint for the cell division, and that's called the metodic spindle checkpoint. Each kinetochore must be attached to a attached by a spindle microtubule. This ensures that each daughter cell will only receive one copy of each chromosome. Anaphase is where things start coming apart. Uh, each chromatid moves it towards a pole, and the cell begins to elongate. Finally, in telophase. There's a reformation of the nuclear membrane in the nucleolus. There's a short and thick, uh, short and thick chromosomes begin to elongate to form long and thin chromatin, and formation of a cleavage furrow occurs in which a shallow groove in the cell near. Uh, there's a shallow groove that appears uh, in the cell near the old metaphase plate, and then finally, cytokinesis is actually where there's the formal division of the cyto uh, formal division of cytoplasm, and they come apart through. Um, proteins that pinch off uh, basically the cell membrane and form two daughter cells. Whew, one more section, guys. What controls and drives the cell cycle? Man, it's almost one in the morning. Okay. So cyclins and cyclin-dependent protein kinases, or CDKs. So cyclins and cyclin-dependent protein kinases drive the cell cycle. There are specific cyclins for each stage of the cell cycle, and different CDK and cyclin combinations phosphorylate specific target proteins that are required for progression through the cell cycle. So, um, in for example, in G1, CDK, CDK four through six, it works with cyclin D to push it in to push uh, G1 towards S. There's a checkpoint between G1 and S where CDK two and cyclin E then push uh, the cycle forward even more. In S phase, there's CDK two and cyclin A. G2, there's CDK one and cyclin A, and then CDK one and cyclin B regulate the um, moving on actually to the M phase and mitosis. Uh, so the checkpoints checkpoints in the cell cycle, the cell does not want to execute the next step. The cell is not cell cycle is not ready. So the cell has developed those uh, elaborate checkpoints to inhibit the activity of CDK cyclin activity. So if something's damaged like the DNA, then CDK cyclins are going to be prevented from phosphorylating their target proteins and moving the cell cycle forward. So if these checkpoints are defective, obviously we're going to have weird growths, cancers, and here's the final uh, final learning objective, which is uh, chemotherapeutics. So there are mitotic inhibitors, which target the microtubules, and they freeze the cells in mitosis by inhibiting microtubule dynamics. And that uh, there's three drugs there, and I'm not going to list them because I'm not going to butcher those names. There are antimetabolites that target DNA replication, which prevents cells from replicating their DNA by inhibiting the synthesis of thymidine. Um, I mean, it's kind of important to have all your um, your nitrogenous bases ready to uh, to replicate DNA, and without thymidine, you're not going to get very far. And DNA damaging agents, which uh, many cancerous cells lack the G2M checkpoint that monitors DNA damage, and artificially damaging DNA can overwhelm the cancer cell. Too much uh, DNA fragmentation prevents the completion of mitosis. Finally, why do these treatments only affect cancer cells? Cancer cells have a high mitotic index, or a high rate of proliferation. Pro 
proliferation. So in most cases, they are uh, prefer preferentially targeted over the surrounding cells, which is largely comprised of non-dividing or non-cycling cells. So because the cells are, uh, cancer cells are replicating so much because they're out of control with uh, their uh, replication control, um, they use these drugs, more, or these drugs are going to be more likely to target them rather than host cells that are in uh, G0. Uh, the only exception is highly proliferative normal tissue that uh, is also going to be affected, like hair follicles, gastrointestinal mucosa, or male germ cells. So, you know, I think hair follicles and uh, the intestinal mucosa are have to be replaced on, well, the mucosa have to be replaced on an almost near daily basis. So, uh, those cells are going to be affected by these as well. Guys, that was a rough run through. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to um, comment. I know I went through a lot of things fast, um, but I hope that you understand. <laughs> I hope you understand basic human cell biology. Be able to. Um, I, I'll, I'll actually do this again. I'll name the lecture objectives afterwards. So you should be able to identify the major components of a mammalian cell and describe the functions of each of these components, describe the steps of the cell cycle and how it's regulated, and then give some examples of therapeutic drugs and uh, that target the cell cycle and briefly explain the mechanism of each. So when you think about it, you really didn't even have to know all those diseases. You just have to know uh, what they do. So... Um, Think about it carefully. I might make more um, podcasts that are centered towards clinical stuff or centered towards uh, learning objectives only or have some questions uh, as well uh, that I would think might be on the exam. So thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it, and I, I hope you learned something.